Hello, and welcome to Workforce Insights with Employ Milwaukee podcast. I'm Shaitania Brown, President and CEO of Employ Milwaukee, the local workforce development board serving Milwaukee County. In the wake of the widespread disruption COVID-19 caused to the workplace environment, it is very encouraging to see society in general and workplaces in particular opening back up. As these return to work processes continue to move forward, many companies are aiming to work smarter and more efficiently. I know we are here at Employ Milwaukee. A key component to this improved efficiency is the increased use of technology. The use of technology and its related functionality proved to be a godsend in many ways during the pandemic because it helped many companies as well as organizations continue to operate and provide goods and services to their respective client base and partners. Here at Employ Milwaukee, our switch from a primarily in-person service delivery model to a primarily online service delivery model during the height of the pandemic proved to be vital to the maintenance of our operations and a protection to the health and safety of our employees and clients. To this end, I'm excited to be joined today by Cole's Corporate Chief Technology and Supply Chain Officer, Paul Gaffney, to explore this workplace technological landscape even further. Paul brings the wealth of technology leadership experience to the table. Prior to his current role at Kohl's, Paul served as Chief Technology Officer at Dick's Sporting Goods and Senior Vice President of Information Technology at the Home Depot, among other leadership roles. Paul, it sounds to me that you are a bona fide techie. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, So we (laughs) welcome you to our podcast this morning. We are glad to have Kohl's join us. And I want to say this before I dive in with questions to you. I am truly blessed to have Coles be a partner of Employ Milwaukee and for us to be a hometown partner with Coles. This is one of our first kind of employer partnerships that we've had where the employers contributed to the well-being and to the operations of Employ Milwaukee. And then with us being able to have a second year being a Coles hometown partner, that really, really is a turning point for our organization. And any moment that I get to tout Coles. And being a partner in this workforce development landscape, I give a shout out to the president of Coles and to all of the staff of Coles Corporation. I mean, truly, truly, honestly, we are blessed to be partners with Coles. And we Chaitania, thank, you thank you. And we love you too. <laughs> and so diving into the questions, you have quite a background in this technology landscape. You joined Coles as Chief Technology Officer in 2019. Could you share to our listeners more about your interest in technology overall, your career journey, and how you decided to come to Milwaukee and work for one of the largest retailers during such a transformational time in retail? Well, those are great questions. I'm privileged to be at Coles and to be able to do what I do. I have been fascinated by computing technology Since I was a kid, this will allow people to age me. But when I was in middle school, I got my first computer, which was uh, you bought it at Radio Shack. It was called the TRS-80. And its storage device was a cassette tape. And I learned how to first program in the basic programming language. But even way back then, I was fascinated by how technology could magnify things and could make people more productive than they otherwise would be. I went on to study computer science in college, and I've been engaged in one way or another with technology since then. I think nowadays, almost everybody's engaged with technology. Yeah, Uh, Technology is riddled 
throughout everything we do, whether it is the technology we use to work or the technology we use to assist our lives. And I guess in some ways, that's what has always attracted me to technology is essentially technology is really one of those things that can be used to make so many different things better, easier, more enjoyable, more accessible. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a force not only for kind of more efficiency in our lives, but more democracy in our lives. Absolutely. So kind of deviating and, and adding to that, you know, where technology is definitely creates lots of efficiencies. How do you dispel the myth of technology being our worst enemy? Because I remember yep. times the pandemic forced us all to get into this technology space. And at the same time, I remember leaderships before myself didn't want to do the social media thing because yep. they felt it was a bit too much. And then we had to rely on social media, especially during the pandemic, to really kind of continue to let people know the resources available to them, what's out there, because that was the me only means of communication since we were not open for people to physically come in. And so there's a mindset change, but there's still a level of concern and uncertainty about technology. This is a great line of dialogue because at least from where I sit and from the viewpoint I have of a relatively long engaged career in technology, technology itself is neutral, mm -hmm. but it is very powerful and very powerful neutral things can be put to use for good and to use for evil and kind of the whole spectrum along the way. And sometimes what some people see as good, others see as hugely disruptive. So one avenue that you were talking about is the pandemic forced all of us to reconsider how do we interact with others? How do mm -hmm. we meet new people? And in an environment where it was very, very risky to do things in person, technology became, I think, a great platform for allowing people to stay connected, um, mm -hmm. allowing folks to continue to do work that might otherwise have been done in person. And on the positive side, I think for a lot of folks that shattered the notion that you can only be productive in person. Um, right. And that enables a lot of things from a workforce side. On the downside, it has created this environment where I think people are more kind of constantly engaged in this electronic connection with others. And it can introduce an awful lot of fatigue. I know people who are burned out from remote meetings. Right. Um, <laughs> Me being I, one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that way sometimes as well. I think we're so early into this, and this is such a different pattern of working than most of us have had in our careers. And, and folks who are used to things for decades, we still haven't had the time to step back and say, what, what do I need to add into my routine to compensate for some of the new things that might be making me less long-term productive than I otherwise could be. Mm -hmm. And then as consumers, I think we've seen technology has done wonderful things for us. When we know exactly what we want, there are just so many ways to just go get that thing now on the internet and have it delivered mm -hmm. to you. And we hope a lot of people turn to Kohl's for those things, but you know, there's stuff we don't sell, so you could go somewhere else as well. And it's just made our lives really I convenient. don't know anybody who's been into a bank in like a long, long time, right, right. yet everybody still handles their finances. The flip side of that is technology being everywhere that it is has now enabled what some people call the surveillance economy. And there are trackers and things that are trying to figure out where was Shetania this morning and right. what ad might 
somebody want to send to her this afternoon. And this is how Facebook makes their money and increasingly Google through the same kind of targeting. I think people are just starting to wake up to, and Apple is helping them in their newest operating systems, pointing out, hey, there are these things that have been tracking you. Do you still want to allow them to track you? And and interestingly, 96% of the people say no. I am really interested to meet the 4% because that seems like an easy answer to you. Do you want to be under constant surveillance? No. But that was under the covers for many years and and just starting to show itself. So, Shatania, I don't know how to dispel the myth that technology could hurt us. I think there is, as with anything powerful in our lives, a lot of good that can come. And there's some bad stuff. And I think the answer to the bad stuff is to be aware and to be skeptical and to pay attention. Right. And, and it's a mindset shift for a lot of folks. And which leads me into my next question, because you talked about, you know, you'd hope that people would come to Kohl's, even though you don't sell everything. But you did start to connect with Amazon and yes. people can return things to Kohl's that they purchased from Amazon. And so just thinking about the mindset shift, how did you all at Kohl's leverage technology with your operations and retail store personnel, like were there challenges that the associates had with kind of some of the shifts that occurred? Or did you all have to make any significant shifts during this time or during the pandemic? The relevant mindset shift for us, Shatania, was actually a different one, but it was a very serious mindset shift. We, I think like many others, when we thought about introducing a new capability to our customers, something like curbside pickup, We liked to believe that we could essentially draw up the whole playbook and kind of do the design of this new customer service in advance and build it and polish it and make sure it's perfect and make sure it does 70 different things that we convinced ourselves the customers want. And when all of a sudden we were forced to close our stores and it became clear that a lot of customers were not only willing, but wanted to pick up orders. You know, it was Mm -hmm. one of those moments that kind of Mike Tyson coaches us to prepare for, right? Mike Mm -hmm. Tyson was asked about his strategy for a fight. And he said, you know, strategy is all well and good until you get punched in the face. Right. Um, So (laughs) COVID punched us in the face and we said, you know what? We got to launch curbside like tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And a lot of folks said, well, we haven't finished the design and we need a few months to polish it. It's like, well, sorry. And we shipped what we had because we had been working on it. And we committed to ourselves that over the first several days and weeks that it was in the wild, that we would pay attention to, react to, and fix anything that wasn't responsive to the customer. And one of the magic things was the customer didn't need 65 features. They needed like three. Right. And it actually would have been really hard for us inside of conference rooms to talk ourselves out of those 65 features. But you can't argue with real life. Right. Um, So, and this is one of the things that I've been attempting to practice in my use of technology and business for many years now is stop spending time trying to figure out what you need. Build something that you have evidence that you need and get it in the hands of the people who are going to use it. They're going to tell you something that you didn't know and you're going to make your product better and you won't work on 10 or 15 things that they will never ask you about. And that is refreshing to hear because when you say if you had gotten everyone into the boardroom and attempted to figure out the 65 things or to downsize that, people would have rejected that. It had continued on and on and on. And like you said, the punch in the face was like, it's here. Let's do what we need to do. And 
that's just kind of, you know, one of those slogans. I live by the Nike slogan, just do it. Because sometimes we can talk our way out of doing stuff because you come up with every reason not to. And sometimes, you know what? You just got to do it. It's here. It's right here in your face. Do it. So just thinking about, do you think that technology will ever reach a point where the number of employees working remotely online outnumber the number of employees in a traditional office space? Because as businesses, even nonprofits, with us being a nonprofit, the question of do we need everybody back here or can some of these bodies work remote? I have been spending a lot of time thinking about this problem and talking to others who are thinking about and studying this problem. I think the short answer to your question is yes. I think there will be cumulatively more hours worked among knowledge workers. There will be more hours worked outside of a traditional office setting than in a traditional office setting. But I do think that many knowledge work employees, and knowledge work may not be the best word. Mm -hmm. I'm using that as a catch-all for work that has traditionally been done in offices Mm -hmm. versus work done in factories or work done in distribution centers or work done in retail stores or restaurants. Almost nothing will replace. We're social creatures. Um, Mm -hmm. We like to be in person. And some of the most important work is done by the frontline associates in those in-person settings. I don't see that changing in any meaningful way. Work that has traditionally been done in offices, though, I do see that that will be predominantly done no longer in traditional offices. And the work that is done in traditional offices will not be individual work. People won't largely go back to hang out in their cube. Mm -hmm. They will go back for purposes of social gatherings, which I think will be more purposeful Offices have always had town hall meetings and rallies and kickoff meetings and walkthroughs of important new concepts, new team formation. So my view, and I don't think I'm just making this up, I've calibrated this in a lot of different ways, Mm -hmm. is that the role of the office will change. There won't be some straight path. Some folks will have people return to be in cubes because that's what they're comfortable with. But I think increasingly, most workers will not want that to be their work experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's a mindset change for a lot of people because we've always had folks in person. And this notion of how do you know you're getting the best productivity with folks being at home? And there are positions that's very outward facing that interfaces. And there are some people who I'm one of those people who like to bypass the you call on the phone and I don't want to talk to the machine. I want to talk to a person. Can I keep it in zero to get me to a person? Because I don't want to talk to the machine. They don't have understand what you're saying anyway. Sometimes, like I said, no, I want to make a payment. And you're saying (laughs) I said something else. So that's a mind shift change for a lot of people, even myself, because I'm so accustomed with the work that we do with folks being in the building and being in their cubes and interfacing. And I don't think we'll ever lose that interface. But then it's the question of which positions can do their work virtually. And even though giving another plug to Coles and the resources we receive, we're building this virtual platform in hopes that folks can access what we do from A to Z and may never have to come into an office to get what they need from us. And that's our goal, but I don't want to lose also the fact that people need to interact with people. And so, but again, it's a mindset shift change. Shatania, let me just make one more point on that because I think part of successfully navigating a mindset shift is making something that was previously unconscious conscious. 
Mm-hmm. And I think for most of us, we were unconscious about a lot of the good things that come from being together with people in person. And they were a lot of the things that weren't actually the primary reason that people came to work, right? People came to work because that's right. what you did. <laughs> like if we'd gone back in time five years and, and said, hey, give me the top 10 reasons you go to an office. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think near the top of that list would be casually running into people because we were unconscious about that. We would talk about, you know, that's my workplace. You know, I like my team, whatever. And I think now we need to become more conscious that says, hey, if I feel the need to see somebody in person, let me unpack that. Mm -hmm. What is my need? And if my need is I need to see them to supervise them, that's a cause to say, well, maybe you should examine your method of supervision. Mm -hmm. But if your need to see them is, I actually just want to chat. And over the video chat is just not the same as an in-person chat. I think if we think through that, we can all become more purposeful and therefore more inclusive and say, hey, Shatania, you know, you and I used to work together five days a week. We may now only be in the same place two or three days a week. Mm-hmm. How can we be more thoughtful about carving out some time to have coffee where maybe in the past there was more chance for that to happen by accident? Maybe we need to make that just a little bit more on purpose. Absolutely. I mean, even with the team, we closed our doors and then we gradually opened up because of the work that we do. And we had to have kind of social distancing police, so to speak, (laughs) because people had not seen one another for almost a year and they naturally would go to someone's cube and they'd stand there and they'd chit chat and, you know, because they were accustomed to doing that and they wanted to catch up and here comes Shaitania or somebody else like, hey, you got to keep the time in short. You, you need to go back to your seat. So people are generally happy. But you're right. Every with the whole mindset change is kind of being more purposeful in all of that. So shifting gears a little bit, Kohl's is one of the largest employers here in the Milwaukee area, as well as in the state of Wisconsin. As you think about the workforce and evolution of retail, what do you see as the biggest opportunities for recruiting professionals to the Milwaukee area? Great question. Technology is one of the dimensions, if not the most significant dimension, where I think every company, Kohl's included, every company has been in some line of business. Very few companies have been in the line of business that you would call software. But now every company, regardless of what your historical core line of business is, Mm -hmm. consumers now expect you to also be good at software. And that means that every company needs more technology resources. And making Milwaukee attractive as a technology hub, it's a reason we're a member, one of the original major donors to the Milwaukee Tech Hub. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the reasons that it was a priority for me to launch an apprenticeship program, a professional apprenticeship program, where we could reach out to parts of the city of Milwaukee Mm -hmm. where we don't normally draw people from and and actually help them get on the path to a professional career. And they they go through professional training on becoming a software developer, and then they enter into a one-year professional apprenticeship with Kohl's, and we're hopeful we convert all of them to full-time software engineers. That's great. It also helps that Milwaukee has great quality of life and a great physical environment, and it's starting to be recognized that way in lots of the press that tracks, you know, where are people moving? 
And we just talked about where will work be done before technology professionals now find themselves very mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, they can live wherever they want and either stay connected with their current job or find another high quality job. And it doesn't have to be physically close to where they live. I'm actually hopeful that will cause a bunch of technology professionals to recognize, hey, Milwaukee is a great place to be. And while we now employ a number of people who do not live in Milwaukee, folks who do live in Milwaukee will have the opportunity to be both doing some work remotely, but then also these purposeful gatherings that we'll have at our headquarters out in Menominee Falls will be more available to them. Oh, wow. That sounds wonderful. And I know Coles has connected with our tech hire IT program to try and recruit some of those individuals to get into that apprenticeship track and things of that nature. So that's really, really good to hear because apprenticeship is a great way for businesses to grow because you have the opportunity to train your folks while they're getting the experience of working to learn the business and to continue to grow with the business. And and so that's something we definitely here as an organization promote apprenticeship opportunities for individuals. You know, diversity, equity, and inclusion is something that's on everyone's mind right now. And it's certainly a focus here at Employ Milwaukee. What is Cole's diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy, and what steps are being taken to ensure the company has a diverse workforce and an equitable, inclusive environment for all? Great question. We made diversity, equity, and inclusion a visibly important part of our strategy about a year ago. We formed several DE&I task forces, one of which is chaired by our CEO, Michelle Goss. Mm -hmm. And just recently, within the past two weeks, we appointed our first head of diversity, equity, and inclusion and added Michelle Banks, who has been running coal stores out in the field for many years, uh, added her as a direct report to the CEO. So now in our, you know, when we sit around the table as the top team, there is someone whose full-time job is to make sure we're making enough progress on diversity, equity, and inclusion. We have always paid a lot of attention to, do we represent the communities that we serve? Mm -hmm. And out in our stores and in our distribution centers, we actually have very good representation of many different aspects of diversity. We're making sure as leaders that we really understand more deeply what equity and inclusion mean. Uh, Diversity is often easier to see and to pay attention to, but it's not enough without equity and inclusion. So we've actually started sending ourselves to courses that help us better understand equity and inclusion. And each of us have made internal commitments to ourselves about how we want to transform, in many cases, our corporate workforce. Our corporate workforce Mm -hmm. is not where any of us would want it to be in terms of diversity. And so we're doing the hard work of making sure that our hiring pipelines have an appropriate diversity of candidates, that our onboarding processes focus on Mm -hmm. inclusion And we're showing some good early results. Um, We Mm -hmm. have a lot of work to do. Yeah. And, you know, that's been a topic of conversation that I serve on the Greater Milwaukee Foundation Civic Engagement Team. And this is one of our focus areas. I'm on the uh, workforce team. But we talk about the diversity, equity and inclusion. You know, a lot of folks due to all of the social issues that really reared their heads during the pandemic and people, many employers became interested if they had not started already, they began this process. And I say to many employers, it's one thing to work on diversity, 
equity and inclusion, but you also have to look at retention. Yes. Because that's one of the biggest issues that surround. You can hire and put someone at the corporate level or in your executive leadership, but track how long they actually stay. And a lot of that has to do with, are you selecting bodies for the sake of having the diversity or are you selecting bodies to have diversity of thought? Because that is very important. A person oftentimes wants to get chosen because they feel they add value to the mission and vision and what becomes and not just be there. And so that's just one of those things I say to all the employers that we work with. Think about the retention aspect, that that be a part of it, because it's one thing to have the plans but do also track your retention because many folks will leave because they feel that it was just for show and really not for the purpose. But it's good to hear that Coles is invested in this and is really making good strides to have an impact and, and make a difference in that area. So what are your thoughts surrounding public-private partnerships between employers, workforce development, and the education system to help close the digital divide for underrepresented populations? I think that partnerships are crucial for this. And I talked briefly about Apprenti. Um, mm-hmm. Apprenti was actually skilled at structuring these kinds of partnerships. And Apprenti helped us connect with local agencies, frankly, to help us find talent that we might not otherwise have found. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that Coles will be doing more of that. And I think it's essential particularly when you think about, we think about Milwaukee a lot because we have a big presence here. There are lots of parts of Milwaukee that have a lot of people in them, but they're underrepresented in our corporate headquarters, not just Kohl's, but but Mm -hmm. all, all of those in Milwaukee. And I think I don't know how to develop deeper connections with those communities without partnering with the public agencies and the NGOs that are present in those communities and trusted in those communities and can be a good source of advice about perhaps non-traditional, but very capable talent. Right, right. And, you know, reaching out to us, we're the Workforce Development Board serving Milwaukee County. And I always say we want to be at the table with the employers to help address. If if our goal is to help build a talent pipeline, then we have to be at the table to understand what the need is. Yes. And so, therefore, we can direct our resources as well as the individuals who come to us looking for the opportunities to those jobs and those opportunities that are out there. So most definitely partnerships are key. So just thinking about civic engagement, what role can technology play in improving civic engagement, the promotion of social justice and improving prospects for gainful employment and career opportunities for job seekers? I think there's several layers to that answer. Let me go back to one of my early comments about one of the things that I think technology has done kind of as a pervasive good. Technology can and has made a lot of things that historically were hard to access. It has made them more accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, I've just, in deepening my own personal connections to Milwaukee, I've just joined the board of the Milwaukee Art Museum. And one of the reasons that I'm interested in that is they really want to make the museum's collections, which are pretty extraordinary, Mm -hmm. um, more easily accessible. Uh, You know, it's a wonderful physical facility in a great location, but I was not surprised to learn that there are people from whole sections of Milwaukee that are kind of frightened to go into 
you know, an art museum for the first time, and let alone an art museum with such a spectacular location. So I think one role that technology plays is accessibility mm-hmm. and kind of lowering barriers to entry. And then a second layer of that is I think technology creates potential career paths that didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. If you're reasonably capable of kind of spatial reasoning, which a lot of people are, like just trying to figure out if I were solving a puzzle, where would things go? You can in 12 to 18 months be trained pretty well as an apprentice level software developer. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, generations ago, those kinds of paths to a professional career would more have been in the traditional trades. Right. And I think technology has now made it so, and those are great jobs, but now there's this a whole other realm of jobs related to building technology, to understanding data analytics. And I think it's the job of companies like Kohl's to make those opportunities available to folks who might not otherwise have stumbled upon them and to make it clear that it's there, it's real, and there's a path. You don't have to go find your own path. Right. People don't know what they don't know. And for a lot of people, exposure is key to expose them to the things. I don't even know that exists. So if I don't know it exists, it's difficult for me to connect to that particular opportunity. So the more we can educate individuals of the options that's available, we can help build that career pathway for a number of folks. And so with your wealth of technology experience and just, you know, experience in general with connecting to different people, different organizations, as a leader, what do you want your legacy to be? The thing that makes me feel like I've made a big difference is when individuals look back on kind of their career up until the point that they ended up in an organization I have some impact in. And then, you know, several years later, they return to me and they say, you know, you changed my life. You helped me see a whole different realm of how I might make a contribution. And I'm now doing things and making an impact that I couldn't have imagined. And that's really goes back to interested me about technology in the first place is mm-hmm. I think it's the lever that allows people to dramatically magnify their own contribution. And so what I try to do and what I want my legacy to be is I want people who have worked in an organization that I've led to feel like I can now make a much bigger difference than I ever thought I could. Sounds really, I, I love that impact. Definitely. So Paul, I want to thank you. And Coles, I want to thank you in particular for coming on my podcast to share your insights and your journey. Part of what we aim to do is to educate folks, our listeners, about the opportunities that's available to them to have conversation around workforce and just let people know there's a track and a path for everyone. And just being able, I've had some really heavy hitters and having you come on and just speak about you in the tech industry, we're trying to draw more people of color and just to hear there's an opportunity there. It's achievable and there's great things to do. And so it's a pleasure having you on the show. Do you have any parting words that you'd Uh, like to leave to my listeners? Yeah, Shatani, I would encourage all of your listeners to the extent that any of them had the reaction during this podcast of, hey, maybe I should go try and find my way on a path to a career in software development. I'm paul at coles.com and please connect and we'll get you connected to the right folks. Thank you so much. We appreciate you taking the time to have a conversation with us. Great to have you, Paul. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Workforce Insights with Employ Milwaukee, where helping people live their best life is our business. Be sure to like, share, or subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about Employ Milwaukee, check out our website at www.employmilwaukee.org. That's www.employmilwaukee.org. Until next time, be safe, be brilliant, and give it your all.